PRN, Pause, Renew, Next, the podcast. I'm Jenny Detweiler. Well, you guys, I'm so excited to finally be talking to you from my new office slash podcast studio. While we've been social distancing, my husband did a little home renovation project and made me a new room in the basement so that I could work from home and record podcasts with a little more privacy and hopefully with a little better sound quality. And I am super excited to finally get to use it. Well, today's podcast was a real treat for me because I've really admired today's guests for quite a while. Her name is Lori Ferguson Wilbert. She's been a blogger for many, many years and recently released her first book, Handle with Care, How Jesus Redeems the Power of Touch in Life and Ministry. Lori has a beautiful writing style. And in this book, she talks about touch, the importance of touch, and especially from a faith perspective. Now, that is a topic that's not talked about often, really in very many circles at all, but especially not in the church. And I really, really enjoyed getting to deep dive into conversation with her about it today. So without further ado, let's jump into the conversation. Well, Lori, welcome to the podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Lori Ferguson Wilbert. I live in Dallas, Texas. Not from Dallas, but I live here. Um, and I'm a writer and a wife and an Anglican and I don't know, probably other things too. <laughs> well, I'm excited that you're here. Thank you. So I am an Enneagram too. We were talking about that a minute ago. So I love people and I love connections. And so I think it's really fun for my listeners to know that in real life, you're friends with KJ Ramsey, mm-hmm. who was a podcast guest not that long ago, a couple months ago. So I'm wondering, how did you two become friends? I can't, I honestly don't remember exactly how we became friends. I think she reached out to me a couple of years ago just to kind of talk through something they were walking through, knowing that I had walked through something similar and... We just, I'm not a big phone person, but, um, she was persistent and that <laughs> persistence always helps me to like be better at the things I need to do, but I'm an Enneagram yeah. nine. So inaction is my, uh, uh, stance normally on things. So yeah, persistence is helpful. Well, that's really fun. Yeah. I'm not a phone person either. And So it's interesting that we're on the phone right now. And as a therapist, because of quarantine, I'm doing this a lot right now. So it's pushing me out of my comfort zone a little bit. Yeah. I keep hearing from therapists. A lot of my friends are therapists and they're just saying they're just exhausted from the, like the distance that's created and the dissonance I think that's created during this time. Yeah. Okay. I heard you on a previous interview share that writing a book was never like an end goal for you. And you're kind of glad that you didn't write a book earlier in your life. So I'm wondering, how did you come to write a book about the importance of touch, which we're going to talk about today? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, it's a, that's a long story. I think I, part of my resistance to writing a book was just feeling like so many books have already been written, you know, what's been said, you know, Solomon said there's nothing new out of the sun and of the writing of books, the making of books, there is no end. And so I think that kind of just was stuck in me. And so it was like, I don't want to write a book unless I can be thinking about something that I haven't ever read a book on and just kind of explore a topic. I don't, I'm never going to be an expert on anything. Um, and so I'm, I, I like to like take journeys and adventure and 
to sort of meander into a topic. And that's what happened with this book was I just kind of had some realizations around my own life and my own story around my body and the bodies of other people and just realized I've never read a book on touch and more specifically just sort of like the embodiment of Jesus in um, and sort of the implications for Christians around that yeah. subject. So I think that's something that I've been learning more about probably in the last few years, partly because I have an adopted son. So I've done a lot of sensory kind of yeah. research and also just in counseling, understanding self-care and understanding touch is a big part of oxytocin, serotonin release, all that kind of stuff. So I think it's a big deal, but you're right. I have not seen a lot of books written about it either. I will tell you as one who wrote a book looking for resources, I mean, the the dearth of material on this subject, particularly from a Christian point of view, which kind of surprised me, um, was I think a little bit alarming. And I hope, you know, it's not something that a lot of people want to think about, to be honest. It's a kind of an uncomfortable subject and it's a very personal subject. It's something we each have our own stories. And so it's so hard to it's, you can't come out with a blanket, you know, this is right and this is wrong for everyone. And so it's a difficult subject. And I understand why there are so few resources around it, but I think it's needed. And yeah, I hope that my book is just the beginning of a conversation. I really, it's not the end of the conversation in my view. It's not the, you know, the best book or the only book that's, that's ever been written on the subject or will be written. It's, I hope it's just kind of scratches the surface of what's What's to come? Yeah, well, it has been needed, and so I'm glad you wrote it. Thank you. And in your, yeah, in your book, you wrote about, I'm not going to tell your story, but <laughs> about experiencing trauma a few years ago and how self-care, specifically taking care of your body, was a key part of recovery for you. Can you talk about that just a little bit and what that was like for you? Yeah. So, I mean, we know that we are are learning so much about the brain right now and trauma and all those things. And we know now how the body kind of stores trauma inside, Mm -hmm. you know, like our brain and our skin and all those things. And so I experienced something, um, I experienced a series of small T traumas within a very short period of time and also some big T traumas. Um, So witness to a, a fatal shooting, um, and, and some other things that were just really, really, I mean, I just never encountered anything like what I encountered in about a six month period of time. And I realized within the next year, I, we miscarried almost a dozen times. And we just were like, what is going on with my body? What is going on with um, my brain? We just didn't understand anything at that point. We were just kind of trying to survive. And it wasn't until I stopped and began to just care for my body as it was, instead of trying to be the body that I had been before. Um, so I think I just kept trying to do the things that had always worked for me before and they weren't working. And I was just feeling sicker and I was feeling more and more scared and with heightened, you know, cortisol levels and hormones and like all kinds of things that I just never had experienced before. So I began to just pay attention to the body I had and not the body I wanted to have or used to have, but my present body, this body, everything changed. And I'm not saying that I got well right away. I think that getting well and getting healthy is a long 
process and it's still, it's ongoing, but, uh, it really helped me just, just reframe. God gave me this body and God wants me to care for this body and steward this body. And he wants to heal this body. And so just sort of partnering with God in that work of healing, um, through things like self-care, um, and other things, going to the doctor when I need to, getting massages, going to the chiropractor, um, yeah, moving my body, praying for my body, all of those things. I, I put those under the umbrella of self-care and, um, that helped me to just see that God cared about this body and he wanted to heal this body, Mm -hmm. even if healing doesn't happen, you know, until the new heavens and new earth, he still wants to heal it. Yeah. And the story that you told, um, which I thought was really practical was about taking a bath every day and rubbing lotion onto your legs, because that was something physical that you could do to take care of yourself every single day. So I thought that that was really good and really practical and something people could relate to. Yeah, I think it's those things. Bessel van der Kolk talks about, um, he wrote the body keeps the score and he talks about feeling our substance. And I think as Christians, we don't like to feel our substance. We don't like to remember <laughs> that we were created from dirt and bone and the breath of God. We we just don't like to think about that because those are like fragile, dirty, temporal things. And um, and I think it's just so important for humans to remember I'm a created thing and I need to feel my substance. I need to like to feel my body and touch my body and put lotion on my body and, and massage my arms and wash my face. And these are like, I think these are almost, they can be like sacramental acts that mm-hmm. we are participating in, uh, with the Lord. Yeah. Um, this podcast focuses a lot on what I like to call soul care. Some people call it self care. I call it soul care. Cause it's the whole self. Um, And I know, especially in Christian circles, self-care kind of has some negative connotations. So you write in Handle with Care, I can understand why people scoff at the wrong forms of self-care because the wrong forms of self-care are actually self-worship. So I'm wondering in your mind, what sets self-care apart from self-worship? You want to talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I want to be careful. I would be really careful in the book to not be prescriptive. So I don't want to like shame anyone for the things that they're they're doing to care for their bodies. But I think it just takes some mindfulness around what we're doing. So if we are constantly sort of in search of this perfect body or this body that that really doesn't exist. So our body as it is maybe doesn't have long, luxurious locks and um, perfect nail beds and all of those things. Um, and so if we're constantly in search of those things, I think we're trying to, we're worshiping a body that doesn't exist instead of caring for the body that does exist. And I think it's, that's a, that's sort of a, I think that's a nuanced space and it's going to be different for every person. Uh, it's going to sort of that line is going to be different between self care and self idolatry essentially. Um, and I think we have to remember that the Holy spirit lives in us and, um, will help us, guide us, teach us. And I think when we, yeah, we just need to be mindful around these things. Um, as a counselor who works primarily with women, and a lot of them actually are in recovery for eating disorders, 
body image is a subject that comes up really frequently, I feel like, mm -hmm. in my office. And one of the things I try to do is kind of help reframe what that body stuff is like. So to honor and find gratitude for the body again, instead of just what it looks like, or trying to sculpt it a certain way. And in your book, you write about that concept saying that we need to care for our bodies, not tone them or sculpt them, not as if our body was a God, but to strengthen them for God's good work as a worshiper of the God who made it. What are some of the ways you think people can begin to shift their thinking about their bodies from kind of like a lack of what they see to the power of its function and the glory of how God made them? Yeah, I think, I think so awareness exercises are really helpful. So just being aware of our bodies. So just remembering, I think, so I'll just give an example this morning. I'm sitting out on our front porch and I'm, you know, I was praying and I was, um, uh, I'm longing to just commune with God more. And I, it occurs to me, you know, I have five senses so I can see the beauty of God around me and I can smell the beauty of God around me and I can feel the beauty of God in the, in, in these very specific ways. And that is using our bodies. So I think awareness is a, is a huge part of that. I think, uh, Dan Siegel uses his wheel of awareness, um, exercise. I use that exercise a lot. Um, just to sort of remember I'm a body and I have five senses and I have legs and I have hands and I have arms and all of these things. Um, and I think another really powerful thing that we can do is to pray for our body. Um, and not to, I think so much of our, our talk to our bodies, um, is just shaming talk. It's just shaming speak. It's, it's, um, uh, it's criticizing, it's comparing, it's all these things. And I think, man, when I just, when I remember that my toes were given to me by God and my ankles were given to me by God and my feet were given to me by God and I move up my body um, and I thank God for each of those parts of my body and I begin to speak um, true things over them, that they are loved by God, given to me by God, stewarded to me by God for his work and his good and my good and his glory and all of those things. I think it can just... I think it takes a really long time, um, but it can begin to sort of shift and change the way that we, um, the way that we view and treat our bodies. Another thing that I think is specifically, um, in with eating disorders and things like that, I think, you know, many of us grew up in environments where we were told, you know, you don't eat until it's mealtime and you finish everything on your plate. And, um, and so what that taught us to do was to not trust our bodies. It taught us to not trust hunger pangs. It also taught us to not trust like fullness, like satiation. And it taught us to not trust that God gave our bodies to us to know when we are hungry and when we're full. And so I think just remembering, you know, there's so much written on sort of intuitive eating, but I think there's so much that can be said about God's sovereignty over our bodies and his creativeness over our bodies um, by giving us the ability to feel hunger and feel full. And so those are just a, a couple ways that I think that I've begun to practice just body awareness um, that has led to some healthy, healthy changes for me. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Those are great ideas. Mm. 
Um, what I love so much about this book is that it is really good and you write about it from your own personal perspective, but also from a faith perspective, which I think is really important. Um, and you write a lot about how Christ was embodied, that he wasn't just spirit. Yeah. How does, how does that fact enrich your faith? Man, I feel it's a big question. It's a big question. I feel like it's, I mean, it's what sets the Christian faith apart, right? That our Mm -hmm. God came to be with us, to dwell with us, to die with us among us, to be raised again among us. And we will one day walk and live and breathe and be with his body, our bodies with his body forever. That's what sets the Christian faith apart. So I think in I think it changes everything for me. Um, but I think just more specifically, it helps me to just remember, I think when I would just begin to read about the embodiment of Christ, I just thought, man, he like skinned his knee and probably struggled to sleep sometimes and felt hunger and felt sad. And he just, he was familiar. He became like us. He put on flesh and that really comforts me. Um, he felt pain. He, um, he probably got into scuffles with his brother. It's like, just like all those things really comforts me just to know that God, Emmanuel came to be with us. And just because he isn't currently with us in the sense that he is here on earth with us right now, he is still with us, um, in a very real sense, just because he has, he put on flesh and he'll never forget what it's like to put on flesh. And that matters. I think that matters. Um, That changes everything. It should change everything for a Christian. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree completely. So in the book, you're pretty honest, I think. And you give personal snapshots. And so one of those is the fact that by nature, you're a pretty big toucher. And you talk a lot about teaching other people to touch. And that your husband is really not. Yeah. So I actually think that's pretty common in a lot of relationships. Yeah. Um, and that needs can differ a lot. Can you describe how over time you've been able to ask for what you needed from him or how you guys have worked that out? Yeah, I think it, one of the things that was really helpful for us, um, cause it caused a lot of miscommunication in the beginning <laughs> of our marriage. Like I felt, you know, unloved, I felt uncared for, and he felt like, you know, he just does not like, especially public affection, just was not into that. Um, and I, I think it, what it led to is actually just realizing that there were parts of our stories that God wanted to heal. Um, so there were there were things that I believed um, about bodies and men and women and marriage that were not true. And there were things that he believed about bodies and men and women um, that were not true. And, and ultimately we came to a place where we were able to see one another as brother and sister in Christ and as fellow image bearers. And I think that really changed instead of seeing one another as primarily a husband or primarily a wife, um, or an object, a sexual object, a a physical object, we began to see one another as image bearers and, um, brothers and sisters in Christ. And that I think freed us up to ask for what we needed. And so when he needs space, He's free to ask for it. And when I need affection, I'm free to ask for it. Um, And I'm also free to be refused. And he's free to be refused um, because he understands I am am not merely there for his sexual pleasure. And he's not there for my 
um, physical pleasure or enjoyment. We are there uh, primarily to bear the image of God to one another and to um, to love one another into being more like Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I absolutely love that you included all kinds of people in your audience, married mm-hmm. people, single people, even those that have been abused. Yeah. So I'm thinking about, this is kind of an issue all the time, but right now we're in the hotbed of people being isolated and not mm-hmm. having availability to be touched. Um, How would you encourage those who have less people in their lives to seek touch? And I'm saying this in a house full of four boys. Like you talked about growing up with lots of brothers and in our house, there's lots and lots of touch. Like I'm overwhelmed with touch, but I know that a lot of people right now are not. So, and I think even if we are overwhelmed with touch, we still, that doesn't mean that the touch that we're receiving is necessarily like, helpful, the kind of touch that releases <laughs> like good oxytocin and, and those kind of things. And so I think this is where I self-touch, I think is so important. Um, it does not, it cannot, um, replicate, um, what it means to be touched by another human or do what, you know, the touch of Christ can do for those who are sick and in need of him. Um, but I think that we often can go through life just ignoring our bodies um, and ignoring um, the need for healthy self-touch. And so this goes back to what we talked about in the beginning, just, um, you know, rubbing, rubbing, massaging our arms, uh, giving ourselves a, a self-hug. Like those things are, they sound silly, but they're so important. Um, they can be so helpful. Um, moving our bodies, those kind of things. Um, uh, having sort of sensory experiences. So, taking a bath, um, putting some good salts in it, uh, getting a weighted blanket, like anything that sort of can mimic, um, the touch of another human, you know, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And so we know that it's not good for humans to be alone. We know that from, you know, the first pages of scripture. And when we try to make what is not good, still feel good. I think it can it can cause a lot of confusion in our minds. So if it doesn't feel good to be alone, there's a reason for that. Um, and you're not, you know, unusual for feeling that not goodness. That's, that is the way that humans were created. And so looking for things that help sort of mimic those, those sensory experiences can be really helpful for Christians or for any, for humans, they can be really helpful. Um, yeah. I've heard multiple places now that you're supposed to give yourself a self-hug. Have you heard this? Yeah, yeah. If we cross our arms and and squeeze particularly our upper shoulders, um, and especially if we can do sort of squeeze our our left shoulder with our right hand and our right shoulder with our left hand in sort of pulsing ways back and forth, it can really, um, it can help do, you know, it can sort of mimic what things like EMDR might do for our brain. Um, and it can sort of connect some things that need to be connected. So it actually can be really, really helpful to give yourself, even if you're getting regular hugs from a person, um, it can be really helpful to do like a self hug in that way. Um, just sort of pulse back and forth. Any sort of bilateral movement is really helpful in healing our brains. Um, any sort of right left movement can, can really help heal our brains. So, yep. Incorporate that into your, 
into your routine. Things like uh, foam rollers, uh, just sort of breaking up the fascia, things like that uh-huh. in your body. They're just, they're just really helpful in healing yeah. your body. Mm-hmm. Okay. In every podcast, I like to ask my um, guests a couple of questions. One of them is, who inspires you and why? Uh, so many people inspire me. Um, I think, um, I'm really inspired by people who sort of carry their, their vulnerability with them, um, into their authority, like into whatever it is that's their vocation, their job. Um, but they carry their vulnerability in with them. And I think Eugene Peterson always comes to mind of someone who, who did that really well, just sort of carried his humanness with him. Uh, mm-hmm. into his work and so I feel really inspired by that that's like I would say that's a core value for me is to to do that and, and I think he did that beautifully mm-hmm. and I also like to ask do you have a favorite scripture passage or one that's been helpful for you lately you know I've been reading uh Norman Wiersbo's book I don't have a favorite I don't I don't think I have a favorite scripture passage but I've been reading Norman Wiersbo's book The Way of Love recently and so I've been kind of stuck in 1 John and just thinking about love and what it means to be known by love and what God's love compels us to do and how it changes us and changes the world around us and so I think 1 John is kind of where I'm I'm really really enjoying that right now yeah yeah just a side note I've been reading the chronological bible two-year plan I was going to be really good and do that and so I've been working my way through the old testament and I gotta tell you it's not the same (laughs) it's really good but I can use some first john right about now so I may be gonna go read that later I actually I was doing chronological and when quarantine started man I just was I was like I it's a little dry. Yeah, I just needed something that was going to, you know, I don't know, breathe life into me. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I love John, John, first John, second John, third John, but uh, I love his imagery of light and also yeah. of love, like the way that he weaves those together so much. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything, Lori, that you wanted to say on this podcast that I didn't give you a chance to? No, I I think you, I mean, you ask great questions. Um, I hope that I was able to give clear answers. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was my pleasure. It was a joy. Thank you. Thanks again to Lori for being on today's podcast episode. I so enjoyed getting to talk to you and getting to know you a little bit, and I really appreciated your wisdom. I hope in the future we get to talk to each other again. Well, if you want to know more about what Lori's up to, you can read her writing at sayable.net. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode or something resonated with you, I'd love to hear about it. You can leave a comment under today's show notes or join the conversation on PRN's Facebook page. You can follow Pause Renew Next on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And you can find the podcast on almost any podcasting app. Please, if you like it, go out and leave us a good review. Reviews help new listeners find this podcast more easily. Well, I'd really like to close out today's podcast episode with an excerpt from Lori's book, Handle With Care. Your matter matters. My matter matters. Every body, 
matters. Everybody matters. Remember, you are embodied. Remember who indwells you, that you house the Holy Spirit. Remember whose you are. Remember who loves you. Remember to whom you're going. Go, you who have been touched by the love of God for the glory of God. Touch and be touched. Well, I'm Jenny Detweiler with PRN. Pause, renew, next. The podcast. May you be encouraged on your journey with Jesus.